0: Auckland is about to choose a new leader, a man predicted to have so much sway, he'll become the second most powerful politician in the country. But the transformation is about more than a new mayor. The reforms are among the biggest in the country's history and will create a huge political entity representing a third of the country's population. Will the massive upheaval deliver on its promise to lift Auckland's economic performance? And should the rest of the country be afraid that they'll be eclipsed by the new supernova? Rowan Quinn reports on this Radio New Zealand Insight. Eden Park, it's the home of Auckland rugby and the focus of many disputes in an Auckland that often can't agree. Today, Auckland and Wellington are taking their rivalry to the field – Historical tensions between the government in Wellington and the Bolshe big city could be about to ramp up. With Auckland's mayor touted as the second most powerful politician in the country, will the government find itself bowing to the city's demands?
1: Auckland is going to have tremendous advocacy power, which it's never had in 100 years. And that will be good for Auckland in the sense that, not that it's ripping off the rest of New Zealand, but that the will of Aucklanders will be reflected in terms of what central government does.
0: The local government minister, Rodney Hyde, the super city is his baby. In just 18 months he's taken an earlier proposal by a royal commission, made it the government's own and set the ball rolling at a remarkable pace. And with just a few weeks to go until his vision becomes a reality, Mr Hyde is certain he's done the right thing.
1: At present... It's impossible to determine the will of Aucklanders politically because these sort of like these warring tribal feudal factions uh, that make up local government.
0: So when the feudal factions unite, does the rest of the country need to be where? Wellington's Mayor Kerry Prendergast
2: says the balance of power in New Zealand is about to undergo a huge shift. There is no doubt that Auckland's impact is going to be massive. It is going to be the biggest city in Australasia, It will have immediate and easy access to this government. And the risk for the rest of New Zealand is that we might be forgotten in the rush to resource a a city that is resource hungry.
3: Jaffa. Trendy, white shoes, Ponsonby Road for lunches on a Friday. (laughs) Not of the real world.
0: Wrapped up in their own world, I suppose. The Auckland that other New Zealanders love to hate has in fact been many different Auckland's. From November the 1st the cities of Manukau, Waitakere, North Shore and Auckland will merge and it doesn't stop there. The largely rural districts of Franklin and Rodney, full of people who have never been called Jaffers in their lives, will also become Auckland city. On Saturday, the first mayor and the councillors will be elected, giving them a few weeks to understand the lay of the land before they take control. At the other end of the island, Kerry
2: Prendergast will be watching closely. At the moment you've got eight arguably disparate councils all squabbling amongst themselves about what they want to achieve, what their goals are, what their vision is, what their strategic direction is. Um, after October the 9th, you're going to have one mayor and one council, the mayor with executive powers, with a vision he's been elected with, who will be able to espouse that vision clearly to the government. That is very powerful.
0: Waitakere's Mayor Bob Harvey's losing his job because of the change, although he's picking up a nice new one as the head of the new council-owned business that will look after the development of the waterfront. He's an unapologetic Aucklander.
4: Auckland has a terrific passion about Auckland, and and we're not really jealous of the rest of New Zealand. Uh, We are happy, and I think we can be strangely uh, conciliatory.
0: Bob Harvey says the rest of New Zealand may be bewildered by Auckland, but it shouldn't be threatened. And the man who'll be the first chief executive of the new Auckland, Doug Mackay, agrees, saying there are worse things to fear.
5: Auckland not working is more problematic for the country and every other part of the country than Auckland working well. If we're going to grow New Zealand, clearly we've got to grow Auckland. And Auckland has been a bit of a laggard in the last 10 years or so. And that's 34% of the country that hasn't been performing strongly economically.
0: Back at Eden Park, these Aucklanders know the super city may not help their cause around the country.
3: Oh, the rest of the country has been nervous for about Auckland for years. I don't think being a super city is going to change it.
0: To be fair, the rest of the country probably will uh, turn around and, and have a go at us, but you know, <laughs> it's OK. true
1: seat of power, really. I mean, Wellington is just like, I don't know, window dressing for Parliament. We're the big city. This is real oh, New Zealand right not. here. I mean, look at the stadium.
2: I think the rest of the country thinks um, Auckland is rather egocentric. Yeah. So it's only going to make it worse. I think so.
5: it will be super and they won't be. I mean, that's how it
4: works, isn't it?
0: But a business journalist and commentator, Rod Oram, is urging a spirit of harmony.
6: We need each other. This is a symbiotic relationship. It's not Auckland growing like some cuckoo in the nest and displacing everybody else.
0: That's because, like it or not, the urban and rural aspects of New Zealand's economy are vital to each other. And although the country has the image of a nation built on the rural sector, Auckland accounts for 34% of the country's GDP – that's a huge proportion for one city and the reason why, if Auckland's underperforming, the rest of New Zealand will feel it.
6: The extent that we can grow well, um, we, will, we have to do that with other, all other parts of the country and we will all benefit. So an investment in, in Auckland um, is not denying investment elsewhere in the country. It's just trying to uh, help the whole of urban New Zealand progress but also then to help uh, rural New Zealand benefit from those extra skills and capital and resources um, that urban New Zealand are generating as well. So it's a very symbiotic thing across the whole country. And if we ever lose that, if, if we ever be, you know, become at war with each other, <laughs> then uh, we are truly sunk.
0: The Royal Commission that first drafted the Super City Plan stressed the importance of a strong formal relationship between Auckland and the government – it recommended a new Minister for Auckland and a permanent Auckland Cabinet Committee be established. But the government backed away from that, instead creating a temporary committee to oversee only the transition to the new city, and it said there was no need for a dedicated Auckland minister. Rod Orham says it will now be up to the new council and the government to find their own way to work together, and he believes it may be at the government's peril if the relationship turns sour.
6: If we can be articulate about what we need and and want and make that case to government, that's great. If the government doesn't buy that, um, then yes, there would be a danger that they would lose the next election.
0: A leading local body academic, David Wilson, disputes the idea that the mayor will automatically be the second most powerful politician in the country. He says that power will be determined by the mayor's ability to work with the rest of New Zealand, including sectors like business and central government.
7: The formal side of the power is somewhat diluted. Uh, We have not gone for an executive mayor model, as many people think. There is only really more or less informal power that the mayor has.
0: The Royal Commission wanted a mayor with independent decision-making powers, but that was another of its proposals scrapped by the government. The Beehive instead opted to give a few extra powers to the new mayor, like the ability to appoint a deputy mayor and committee chairs. But much of how the Mayor and Council will work is still to be sorted out. That's because the Super City is a work in progress that the First Council will continue crafting in its first term.
7: How much influence the Mayor will have in terms of determining the the strategy and direction of the CCOs will need to be worked out. How the Mayor works and the Council works with local boards and deals with local parochial issues and doesn't get bogged down in those things is another thing that needs to be worked out and how the mayor then engages with other parts of society to get them on board to achieve the big things that need to be achieved in Auckland, such as investment in infrastructure, waterfront redevelopment, and so on and so forth, that will be pivotal.
0: Wellington's mayor since 2001, Kerry Prendergast, believes the success of the super city's elected leader will depend on the level of support they get from voters. She says it's vital the mayor has
2: the strong backing of constituents. Auckland requires... A decisive mayor um, who's going to show real leadership Uh, and it needs a clear electoral mandate so I hope there's a good election that delivers that and it's not a very close election where um, both the population of Auckland don't believe whoever the successor is has the mandate and that person becomes hamstrung by the close election result.
0: An international expert in the way cities run, Greg Clark, agrees, saying it's vital the mayor has the confidence to create a strong vision for the enlarged authority. And as for the power struggles with Wellington, he says the government still trumps Auckland, and it all comes down to cash.
8: Although the new government of Auckland, the new city government, was going to be in charge of $3 dollars worth of public expenditure the national government or the central government excuse me is still in charge of you know uh, nearly 10 billion so the balance of power in terms of who governs Auckland still rests predominantly with central
0: government But Mr Clark, who chairs the OECD City and Regions Forum, says that balance needs to change. He says the government needs to formalise its relationship with Auckland, even if it's just in the form of a central office to deal with the city. And he says the government needs to reduce its day-to-day involvement in the running of Auckland.
8: I can't escape the opinion that that must involve greater empowerment of local government and greater devolution of uh, both authority, resources and responsibilities to local government because it seems uh, at this point that the balance is in the wrong direction.
0: Eden Park's often found itself at the centre of Auckland's problems. It's still a construction zone as the old suburban ground is souped up ahead of next year's Rugby World Cup. The government had offered to build a new stadium for the tournament, but the Auckland City and the Auckland Regional Councils couldn't agree on whether to support it and the plan was dropped. Then this year the problem was almost duplicated, with scrapping over what to do with the tournament's party central on Queen's Wharf. So will the new combined Auckland mean better decision making? Rodney Hyde is adamant at will.
1: We haven't had the ability in Auckland to vote for a mayor and for a council for a vision for the next... 10, 20, 30 years for Auckland who has the ability to articulate that vision and actually implement it and make it happen and so um, it's not going to be sort of so much the tin pot politics that we've been used to this is big stuff for Auckland.
0: Auckland will now be structured very differently. The main council of 20 will make decisions for the region as a whole, from Rodney in the north to Franklin in the south and all the urban sprawl in between. Underneath there'll be 20 local boards. They'll wield much more power than the community boards that exist in most New Zealand councils. The boards will have their own budgets and will control aspects of local law that have yet to be fully determined. Then, alongside the council, will be seven council-owned, independently-run companies controlling water, transport, economic development, investment, property, regional facilities and the development of the waterfront. It sounds complex, but Rodney Hyde says everything will be simpler, and that will have flow-on benefits.
1: Everywhere you go in Auckland, uh, you have a different um, set of rules. So we discovered, for example, that there are 850 different resource consent forms, we've crunched that down to 120. So there'll be a simplification across Auckland and an easier way of doing business for people.
0: But David Wilson, the director of the Institute of Public Policy at AUT, fears the government's got bogged down in the details at the expense of the big picture. He says the push for powerful local boards has jeopardised the reforms.
7: The reason that we've gone towards better metropolitan governance is to create a body which can make and take decisions of regional, regional significance. If the Auckland Council, the 20 Auckland councillors plus the mayor, spend most of their time negotiating with local board councillors, then the likelihood is that they will be bogged down in local parochial negotiating and issues, and that is exactly the opposite of what we're trying to achieve.
0: And Rodney Hyde admits he was worried about another related change the government made to the initial plan. It scrapped the idea of councillors elected at large to represent the whole city in favour of an entire council elected from wards.
1: I accepted that I had to design a system that Aucklanders were comfortable with, Uh, They were keen on having the wards and having their uh, councillors elected from the area and protecting uh, the various interests of the area. That had the potential downside that the councillors just sit there and say, oh, I'm only interested in my little patch, not Auckland as a whole. And so that will require some leadership and some vision, but also a very clear message from Auckland voters that it's... If we're going to succeed, it's the region as a whole that has to succeed for everyone and prosper. It's not about one little group.
0: Academic David Wilson says it's vital the mayor and the council think big when it comes to relationships. He says they need to devote most of their time to wooing the private sector and the government to make sure they're on board with the vision to make a better Auckland. Because he says no matter how much more efficient the changes make the council, they can only do so much.
7: What Auckland needs is investment and it needs a a vision and a strong vision for the future. So um, that means that it will be more than just the local government sector that needs to work towards that. It needs to be central government in partnership with local government. It needs to be the private sector and the third sector working together on certain things.
0: The government wants Auckland to be an international city, to be outward looking with lots of overseas investment. But at the moment it falls well short of the mark. The economy is regionally focused with just 8% of its income from export earnings. The business journalist Rod Oram says much of the city's wealth is built on the construction industry because Auckland's growing so fast. In
6: 1997 we were just um, a million people, we're about 1.4 and a bit million now, and the um, scenarios, the forecasts would have us out to 2 million by about 2030. Now, if you compare that with North American cities, that would make Auckland one of the um, faster growing cities in the US over the last decade or so, only a few places behind Phoenix and other real hotspots. But the problem is, we don't develop Auckland um, the way that those those fast-growing cities in the States do. So, for example, on infrastructure, we always shoehorn in infrastructure after we really need it. And that's a very expensive and inefficient way of doing it.
0: Few would be against better infrastructure and better investment to help Auckland grow. But in the past, Auckland has struggled to agree on which large infrastructure projects to prioritise, or squabbled over who should pay. It's hoped the new council will put paid to parochial infighting, but like so many other aspects of the super city, its success is very much tied to the government. Rod Orham says early signs are not promising.
6: Well, just a few weeks ago, we had the Transport Minister, Stephen Joyce, um, saying that some of the um, plans for public transport in Auckland, such as rail to the airport or rail to the North Shore, um, he likened them to the sort of badness associated with the lunar cycle. In other words, those people are literally lunatics. I think that's incredibly unfortunate because 20 years from now, when we're a city of two million people, if we don't have um, very fast, very economical and very convenient Rail to the airport and to the North Shore, um, this city is going to be a very difficult and unpleasant place to get around. Now, that's a 20 year time frame, but unfortunately, the government is still incredibly project oriented. You know, it's a bit of motorway here, it's a bit of broadband there, rather than being able to take that 20 year view of the infrastructure need and be prepared to co invest with Auckland in that.
2: in the
3: Ice House, how can I help you? Uh, Good day. this is Andy Hamilton, CEO of the Ice House. The Ice House is a business growth centre uh, focused on helping start-up companies get launched in the Auckland region.
0: Andy Hamilton represents dozens of businesses in everything from robotics to farming. He supports the push for a more international focus for the Auckland economy and is relatively optimistic about the super city. One of the things he hopes it will achieve is to make all the council aspects of doing business, like consent processes, run smoother.
3: One of the good things about our business owners in New Zealand is that most of them are pretty independent. That number eight wire mentality, that pioneering, they just want to get on with it. And so it's about, in my view, the government and people like the Ice House need to enable them to be successful, not get in their way, not create bureaucracy. And if they can't add some value, then they sh- you know we shouldn't have them
0: much of the responsibility for making auckland better economically will rest on the shoulders of the new council-controlled organisation known as TEED which stands for tourism events and economic development its first role will be to bring together all the economic development groups in the region and get them working in harmony but David Wilson from AUT fears the TEED structure has been set up in too much of a rush. He says most of the focus is on tourism and events, and those aspects will only get the economy so far.
7: If economic development is a key driver for better metropolitan governance, and we can all agree that Auckland needs to lift its game, then things like tourism and events and waterfront redevelopments are only a small part of what needs to be done in the name of economic development. And tourism is only one sector. And to be frank, uh, tourism often delivers low wage outcomes and actually has a low rate of return in terms of the money that's brought into the country and the cost of bringing that money into the country. So the export revenue gained has a high cost associated with it. So it's actually a low value added industry sector and yet This is the one that we're focusing on.
0: He says instead Teed's priority should be to help add value to Auckland's exports and that sentiment shared by the Icehouse Business Development Group's Andy Hamilton.
3: People love New Zealand. They love to drink and eat New Zealand food. What we don't want to be is a manufacturer for the global giants who go and sell that and take all the margin.
0: Greg Clark, the city investment and infrastructure expert, says there are plenty of talented people working in local government in Auckland and they've got plenty of clever ideas, but he says it's now time for action. He agrees with those who say it's vital the council comes up with a strong vision for the city quickly
8: and then at the same time decisively moving into implementation in a number of key projects. And, uh, for example, Rugby World Cup will come very quickly after the election. So that's a good opportunity to show how practical, immediate initiatives can make a contribution to a longer-term agenda. Uh, And the hosting of a World Cup can be part of implementing
4: a long-term plan. It's not just a one-off activity. I used to come down when I was probably about three and four years old and wait for the fishing boat to come back through this little gap here.
0: Waitakere's Mayor Bob Harvey is out of his local patch. He's at the Viaduct Basin in downtown Auckland. But like many from other parts of the region, he still considers himself part of Auckland City.
4: The viaduct in the harbour uh, feels very familiar to me. I've swum in it, you know. I've been here, paddled canoes in it. Um, This has been my harbour. And I've always regarded that, that although I've been mayor of the West, uh, downtown was our downtown.
0: One of the key jobs of the first mayor will be to unite the councillors and try to get them to leave behind parochial politics. Bob Harvey says that's not going to be a problem, and he says those who live in parts of Auckland with distinctive identities need not worry.
4: The Westie culture... And the Southside culture is very strong, and I don't think that's going to go away. But people have always regarded Central Auckland as as the hub, and uh, us, you know, suburbanites live on the, in the, in the spokes really. And so I think this is a very gentle coming together, uh, long overdue.
0: With just a few weeks to go until the super city comes into force, the staff at the Auckland Transition Agency, the organisation amalgamating the councils, are working feverishly on the last bits and pieces.
5: It is another beautiful Auckland day, sitting here looking out over the domain. Overseeing
0: it all from his office in Newmarket is the interim chief executive, Doug Mackay, who's working closely with the head of the transition agency in the final run-up. The sheer scale of the project means the entire transition will be far from complete on day one, November the 1st, but there are some key components that must be in place. By
5: day one they will um, deliver to me Uh, A frontline customer service organisation where if the phone rings somebody will answer it, Uh, the call will go to the right place, if there's a complaint, if there's advice as to something that needs repair or if there's a query about a bill, all of those frontline services we want to be working day one, they're our number one priority.
0: But Mr Mackay is careful to remind Aucklanders there could be problems. The speed of the transition has been incredibly swift. It's only been 18 months since the government kicked off its plan for reform. The local government minister, Rodney Hyde, says he's feeling positive but is keeping a good measure of realism.
1: Obviously there are risks and there'll be hiccups and the two big risks are you know, getting the computer systems operational. And then just the actual physical movement of people, uh, because essentially you have to keep the local councils ticking over, you know, things like civil defence and all the rest of it.
0: There are more than 2,000 different software applications working across Auckland's existing councils, a hint at just how complicated the nitty gritty of the full integration will be. Just in case all the old computer servers and applications are being kept, so if key information is lost, the old systems can be fired up to retrieve it. Doug Mackay says once the operational side of the council is running smoothly, the focus will shift to getting the elected bodies settled. The mayor and the councillors will be feeling out their new power and jurisdiction, and they'll also be responsible for helping to define just what the local boards will do.
5: Over time I can see the local boards taking the decisions around dogs, um, prostitution, um, liquor perhaps, um, parks, libraries, and better representing what their local communities want in their local area. So I think that's going to be one of the big changes that will happen over time.
0: After that, getting one of the most important documents for the new city, the spatial plan, will be a priority. The plan's a sort of blueprint for how Auckland will develop. Rodney Hyde believes once there's a plan, it'll help make the new city come together.
1: It's a big, if you like, helicopter view of how you see the region unfolding, and so it says, you know, this is where you'd have a residential development in the future, this is where you'd have an industrial development, if you think about that, we'll need some roads here and we'll need a school there, and um, some public transport here, um, and some housing here, and so it's how we see the region uh, unfolding, And so that central government and local government and the people of Auckland can sort of get on the same page, as it were, and talk about the future of Auckland for the years ahead.
0: But that won't be anywhere near complete in the first term. In fact, it's likely to be a constantly evolving document. As for real change to Auckland, Andy Hamilton, the small business mentor, reckons it will take a generation. The AUT's David Wilson believes Auckland's heading in the right direction, but it's not there yet.
7: I think it will take time for this to work itself out. So I don't expect that within the first term we're going to have major leaps forward. I think, and I would think that this current form uh, and structure that is presented before us will change. It will not last in the current form. It will evolve. But we don't want radical change. Um, I think Aucklanders have had enough of the radical change um, and we want to try and make this work as best as possible.
0: David Wilson says even though the structure's not perfect, a good mayor and good councillors are the most important things to make the new city work voting closes on Saturday and then it's just over three weeks till day one of the New Auckland. That's when Doug Mackay will formally take the Chief Executive Chair after one of the biggest government reforms in the country's history.
5: Very nervous but quite thrilled and exhilarated by the challenge. It's an, it's a nervousness that's sort of like a big match really. It's the sort of nervousness you um, believe will bring out the best in your performance and uh, I'm certainly feeling that way at the moment.
0: That was the new Council's Interim Chief Executive, Doug Mackay, ending that Radio New Zealand insight by Rowan Quinn. Technical production was by Colette Jansen and it was produced by Sue Ingram. More insight programmes are available to be downloaded from the Radio New Zealand website at radionz.co.nz.